This is the day the Lord has made. Come on, let's rejoice and be glad in it. We are grateful and thankful to God for God allowing our moments to roll on just a little while longer. I want you to know we are here to inform your head, inspire your heart, and encourage your spirit to become all that God wants you to be. We thank you for the privilege of your time. And I want you to know today, you're not watching to make us a big church or me a big preacher. We are here to help you become the biggest and best Christian that you can possibly be. Now listen, like us, share us, let your family and friends know there's never been a better time for hope. Our scripture reading today comes from Psalm 28 beginning at verse 6. We're reading from the ESV translation of the Bible. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you and bless you for this opportunity to come to the throne of grace. We thank you, God, because you have been better to us than we've been to ourselves. And so we first just want to say thank you for another expression of your grace, mercy, and love because this day is a day that we have received new mercies from you. And we thank you for that, Lord. We pray now, God, that our worship would be acceptable in your sight. God bless those who are participating in the worship experience both here in the sanctuary as well as those who are participating at home. God forgive us of our sins, the sins that we have committed overtly, covertly and inadvertently. Let everything that we do today honor you. It's in Jesus name we pray and we ask you to have your way Lord. Amen. Now listen, before we begin our praise and worship, August the 21st is World Senior Citizens Day and we've decided that we're just going to take the month and take a couple more Sundays if we need to, to celebrate and honor our seniors at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, in particular our super seniors. Now super seniors are designated, those are the ones who are 80 and above. So these are not AARP seniors, you know the little 55s, right? We got a ways to go. This is for the super seniors, for real seniors. So let me give a shout out to several of them. First of all, we want to honor Sister Rosemary McGowan. Sister McGowan has been a member of this church Mother McGowan for many years and has been such a blessing to so many and we are grateful and thankful for her love and her support and her membership here at the church. Sister Joan Johnson goes back to the fourth ward. We're grateful to her for all of her support and love down through the years. These members have served in a variety of ministries. I can't even 
take the time to call all of the ministries. I mean, they have sang, they have taught, they have labored, they have served, and we're grateful to God for them. Sister Benny King is one of our longtime members. We're grateful for Sister Benny King, who has been just a joy to be around and has been such an encouragement to me down through the years. Brother Marvin Watts. Boy, we got to give a shout out to Brother Marvin Watts. Brother Marvin Watts is a longtime member of our church. We salute him today. And uh, Brother Willie Williams. Oh, man, Brother Willie Williams is part of my ministry of defense. Brother Willie Williams, we are grateful to the Lord for him and for his love and for his support down through the years. And then last but not least, one of the sweetest ladies you ever want to meet, that's Sister Ernest York. Sister Ernest York, we are grateful to God for her, for her encouragement, her love, her support down through the years. We celebrate all of our seniors. Listen, we're going to call out some more next week, so you make sure you stay tuned. Let's get ready to lift our voices in song. Let's give God the praise, the glory, and the honor this day. Come on, give God some praise today, wherever you are. Praise the Lord, everybody. Listen, just a quick word of encouragement. You may be going through a whole lot of things right now, but I want to encourage you to know that trouble don't last always. Word says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So encourage yourself and encourage your neighbor and tell them trouble don't last always. Listen, I have a message just for you. It's in his word. I know it's true. It doesn't matter what you're going through. I know the Lord will see you through. Trouble don't last. Come on, if you believe it, clap your hands. Trouble don't last always. Trouble don't last, yeah. Trouble don't last always. I have a message just for you. It's in this word, I know it's true. It doesn't matter what you're going through. I know the Lord will see you through. You'll be encouraged today. Because trouble don't last. Oh, come on, sometimes you gotta encourage yourself. Trouble don't last always. Trouble don't last, yeah. Trouble don't last. Trouble don't last always. And this is what the word says. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning light. Weeping may endure. But joy in the morning light. Weeping may endure. But joy coming in the morning light. and celebrate right where you are know that God has destined you to be victorious you're victorious in every circumstance and situation and it may be look, looking bad right now but victory is your portion so come on declare it say don't last trouble don't last always hey say don't last trouble don't last always can we take it up y'all 
Speak to us now, O Lord, we pray. Speak to our souls today. This is why we've come, dear Lord. We're ready for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Heaven and earth will pass, but God, your word will forever last. Lord, we are ready for your word. Bless now, God. As your word goes forth, may your servant be used so that you are glorified, your people are edified, and the devil is horrified by the life change that will take place as the life-giving word of God goes forth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just for a moment, I want you to look at some images and tell me what you see. Now, if you look at this image, you can see a vase. Some of you see a very, very beautiful vase, but some of you see two people facing one another with a silhouette. Do you see it? Let's go to the next image. Some of you see a little girl sitting and playing. Looks like she's sitting maybe on some logs or stones. But others of you, you may see what appears to be a skull with two different eyes. And that little girl is making up the nose and those stones are making up the teeth. Do you see those two distinct images? Let's go to our next image. This one's pretty simple, right? All of you see the rabbit. Some of you say, what rabbit? I see a duck. I see a bird. And both of you are right because both of those images are present, even though you may not be able to focus and see them both at the same time, you can see both of those images, the rabbit and the duck or the bird. Um, how about this one? This is a classic. So it looks like, on one hand, a young lady who has her head turned, looking over her right shoulder. But if you look at the chin of that young lady, and you look at what is the necklace of that young lady, it's actually showing an old lady. Uh, that necklace of the young lady becomes the smirk of the old lady. That chin of the young lady becomes the nose of the old lady. Can you see them both? Here's a real simple one. Is the glass half empty or half filled? And I guess you can argue for both, but here's the point. All of these images take a shape or a form depending on the perspective that you choose to look at the image. If you see the two people looking at each other, you are taking one perspective. If you see a vase, you are taking a different perspective. If you're looking and focusing and you see the rabbit, that's one perspective. But if you look and you see the duck or the bird with the bill, you're taking another perspective. It all depends on your perspective. Now, the reason I'm pointing this out to you is because one of the challenges we have in life is to stop focusing on things based on how we see them and start looking at things the way God sees them. In other words, are we willing to see things from God's perspective? And in our text today, the Apostle Paul 
teaches us the power of a godly perspective when it comes to living a joy-filled life. As a matter of fact, the suggestion that the Apostle Paul makes is that you really can't experience God's joy in your life until you start learning how to stop looking at life from your perspective and the things that happen in your life from your perspective and you start looking at life from God's perspective. And so today, for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought, having a godly perspective to have a joy-filled life. Having a godly perspective to have a joy-filled life. Today, I want to begin by looking at part one of this, and we're going to focus on verse 20 of Philippians chapter 1. We're in the midst of a campaign called the Joy Campaign. And, and the Joy Campaign is a walk through the book of Philippians. Uh, our theme for this series is living a joy-filled life in a trouble-filled world. And if we have ever needed joy before, we sure do need it now. The book of Philippians is an interesting book. Paul wrote this book. He was anticipating and desiring to go to Rome as a preacher, but he ends up going as a prisoner. Uh, the record is recorded in Acts chapter 21 through Acts chapter 28. The apostle Paul was illegally arrested in the temple in Jerusalem. The Jews thought he had desecrated the temple by bringing in Gentiles. The Romans thought he was an Egyptian renegade. And he became the focal point of both political and religious plotting and remained a prisoner in Caesarea Philippi for some two years. He finally appealed to have a hearing before Caesar, which was the right of every Roman citizen. On his way to Rome, his ship was wrecked. And the count of that storm, Paul's courage and faith, is recorded in Acts chapter 27. Uh, after three months waiting on the island of Malta, Paul finally embarks and heads back to Rome. He is there now awaiting trial. He is on house arrest. And the Bible says that, that, that Paul was, was shackled between Praetorian guards. He was, he was there and, and he was locked down, but, but he took advantage of the opportunity. He had a captive audience. They thought he was the prisoner, but he actually turned them into prisoners of Jesus Christ. And he began to preach the gospel to them. And the Bible shows us that unbelievers from all over Rome and the surrounding region heard the message of Jesus. Believers who heard about what Paul was doing, they were inspired, they were excited, they were emboldened to be the witnesses that Jesus wanted them to be. And it's in Philippians chapter 1 that Paul begins now to teach us about the power of perspective. The power of perspective. And perspective is important, my brothers and sisters, because watch this. While you cannot change many times what you face or go through, you can make an adjustment in your perspective. You can adjust how you see what you're going through. To see the glass half filled instead of half empty. Here's the one thing I want you to see today. Number one, you need to focus on honoring Jesus Christ 
with your body. You need to focus on honoring Jesus Christ with your body. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. We're going to stay parked here our entire time. As it, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Now, just to give you some context, let's go back to Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 and verse 19, which we looked at last week. Verse 18 reads, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul recognized that he had help for his joy-filled living. He said, number one, I know you're praying for me. And there's somebody in here right now, you thought back over who has prayed for you. Some who prayed for you who have gone home to be with the Lord, but the power of their prayers are still being manifested in your life. I think about my maternal grandmother who taught me how to say the Lord's Prayer at the foot of the bed. I think about my grandfather who prayed for me. I think about my father who prayed for me. I think about my mother who went home to be with the Lord in 2008. But I believe that God is still blessing because of her prayers. And Paul says, I also am receiving help from the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God is helping me to live this joy-filled life. But I want you to notice at the end of verse 19, there's a comma. This will turn out for my deliverance, comma. Verse 20, as it is my eager expectation and hope. Uh, that, that word, uh, phrase, eager expectation, literally refers to gazing into the distance in anticipation, looking, looking forward to something happening and, and focusing on that one subject. He says, I'm, I'm looking forward with eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. Now, here's what's interesting. Notice what Paul's expectation and hope was. Uh, while most prisoners would have been hoping for release, while most prisoners would have been hoping to be found innocent and freed, um, Paul is hoping to magnify Christ in his body, whether he lives or dies. We're talking about having a godly perspective, y'all. Come on, how many people do you know who are in prison, especially if they are in prison for something they didn't do, are in prison worrying about how God is going to be glorified through their body? Most are fighting to get out. Most are lamenting that they are in. Most are crying to anybody who will listen that they are innocent. Paul spends his time preaching the gospel, and Paul spends his time praying that God would be glorified in his body because he sees this as an opportunity to magnify Christ with his body. 
Now notice what he says in the B part. He says, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed. Ashamed of what? What what was Paul concerned about being ashamed of? What is he referencing? Uh, Paul wants to make sure that they understand that he is praying that he will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Look at it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Paul is standing before his persecutors. He has been accused of something that he has not done. He demands a trial as was his right as a Roman citizen, to stand before Caesar and to be tried. But in the meanwhile, while all that's going on, Paul says, I'm going to make sure God is glorified in my body. And and notice how, how Paul describes this. Paul says, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body with full courage. Uh, That word for courage means assuredness, uh, confidence, outspokenness, uh, a bluntness, a a frankness. Uh, Paul says, I'm I'm, I'm praying, I'm asking God, I I want to stand with, with courage, with courage. How, How do you stand with courage when you're going through tough times? Listen carefully, listen carefully. Remember, Paul in verse 19 says, they, they, they have been praying for me. The Philippians, he says, you, you have been praying for me. I'm, I'm making it because you have prayed for me and by the help of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you what happens? When, when you think about what God has done, hallelujah, you think about what God has provided, and especially when you know you are right, you can stand with courage to know that God is on your side and God is fighting your battle. Now, can I tell you something? The opposite of courage is what? Fear. And and can I tell you what happens whenever we get afraid? Whenever we get afraid, watch carefully, we start doubting God and we start taking matters into our own hands to do what we want to do out of our fear instead of trusting God when we have courage and faith in him. Let me see if I can help you. How many times have you been in a situation and you had a choice to have courage and trust God or you started doubting, which is the root of fear, you started getting afraid and then you started saying, okay, Man, maybe I need to take matters into my own hands. You know, oh, I believe what God said, but well, it's getting kind of tough out here. But mm, I don't know if the Lord really understands what I'm facing. I don't know if he really understands the pressure I'm feeling. He says, God, I, I want to come to you with, with full courage so that you will be honored in my body. To be honored means to be enlarged, to to increase, to extol, to to make great. He says, Lord, I pray 
that you will be honored in my body. That word for body is a very simple word. It's the Greek word summa. It means literally your physical body. Here's what Paul knows. It's not enough to have the right perspective of your soul if you have the wrong perspective of your body. You can have the right perspective of your soul going to heaven and still be no earthly good because you haven't made a commitment of your body to God because you don't have a proper perspective of your body. Paul wants to make sure that Christ is glorified, that he is honored in his body. Because here's what Paul recognizes. And here's what Paul says you and I have to recognize. If we're going to have the joy of the Lord in our lives, you have to recognize your body doesn't belong to you. Your body belongs to God. Can I, can I tell you something? It's hard to have joy when you don't have the right perspective on whose body your body is. Like as long as you think your body belongs to you and then the stuff to your body it, that's happening in your body and to your body and with your body is not fair and, and nobody knows the trouble you've seen, if you stay parked right there, you cannot experience the joy of the Lord in your life because there's something fundamental that must undergird any joyfulness in your life, and that's the recognition that God is the owner, you are the steward, including your body. Let me ask you a question. Do you have the courage to do all you can to honor God and glorify God in your body? Do you have the courage to do that? Or do you succumb to fear? Do you succumb to anxiety? Do you succumb to worry so that you end up taking little detours away from what God wants you to do in order to embrace your fears and do what you want to do? Do you have the courage to trust God when your fear, your frustration, and fragility want you to take matters into your own hands instead of trusting God. Let me give you a little secret. Please write this down somewhere. Joy and obedience are inextricably tied together. You, you can't separate obedience from joy. That's why a disobedient child of God cannot experience the joy of the Lord in their life. You cannot have joy apart from obedience. Your perspective needs to change if you are going to have joy. And the first place your perspective needs to change is about your body. What do you do with your body? How do you take care of your body? Where do you go with your body? To whom do you give your body to? And I'm telling you right now, if you don't recognize that your body belongs to God, you cannot have the joy of the Lord in your life consistently. And here's why. Because when you're doing other things with your body, other than what God commands you to do, then you cannot live obediently under the power of God. Look at Romans 12, verse 1. 
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your, there's that word, summa, your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your, I like the ESV translation, spiritual worship. The King James says your reasonable service. But the ESV translation says, you giving your body to God is an act of worship. It is as much an act of worship as singing, as praying, as fasting, as teaching, as preaching, as dancing, as the Lord's Supper, as baptism, as giving. You're living a dedicated life to the Lord is an act of worship. And the joy of the Lord inhabits that worship. Paul says you got to realize your body doesn't belong to you. Look at A. You have been brought from death to life. You have been brought from death to life. Look at Romans 6 verse 13. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been, there it is, brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Paul says your body doesn't belong to you because first you've been brought from death to life. But he doesn't stop there. Look at B. Not only have you been brought from death to life, but B, you have been bought with the shed blood of Jesus. You have been brought from death to life. You have been bought with the shed blood of Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were, there it is, bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You have been brought and you have been bought. If there's any question about God's ownership of your body, he says, let's settle that. You have been brought from death to life, and you have been bought, washed by the blood of the lamb. You have been paid for. So here's the question for you. How are you going to dedicate your body? How are you going to dedicate your body to be used by God? I mean, when you think about what the Apostle Paul was going through, come on, the, the last thing that, that many of us would have been thinking in, in, in prison under house arrest, chained to Praetorian guards, uh, the last thing we would have been thinking about is, is, is how we're going to allow God to be glorified through our physical body. And, and, and here's what's interesting, because look at what Paul says. He says, whether I live or die. Paul says, either way, either way, either way, 
I want God to be glorified by this body. Are you praying, asking God to be glorified through you? Wait a minute, not, not, not getting you ready for glory. No, as you are walking around on earth, are you making sure that God is glorified in your body? Whether you live or die, are you making sure that God is glorified? Are you taking every living moment to make sure God is glorified in your body? Are you encouraging people who need Jesus to come to know him? Are you encouraging people who know Jesus to grow in him? Are you a positive influence? Do you make people better when you see them? Are you salt and light in the world? Are you allowing God to use you? Are you allowing God to be glorified in your body? Because I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, nothing will give you greater joy than to know that you are in the center of God's will, being used by God to make a difference in the lives of others. That is the beginning of having the right perspective to have a joy-filled life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for giving us an opportunity to be challenged in your word, uh, to look at ourselves. Uh, so many times, God, when we think about our Christian life, we think about the spiritual side. We don't think about the physical side. Uh, we think about getting ready for heaven. We don't think about how we're living on earth. And so I pray, God, that you would encourage us now to recognize we have been brought and we have been bought. And help us, God, in understanding that we belong to you to seek to glorify you in our body. To recognize that what we do with our body, where we go with our body, how we live in this body, all constitutes an act of worship. You said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that the offering of our bodies is spiritual worship. That the offering of our physical bodies is spiritual worship. And so, God, may our worship in that area of our lives be acceptable to you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the convicting power of your Holy Spirit. We ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody who's watching right now, listen carefully. Uh, you may be watching and you don't know the Lord and the pardon of your sins. I don't know how you got to us today. Maybe you were just scrolling or flipping or looking or seeking. And this broadcast came up today. This virtual expression of faith came into your circle of contact. Here's what I want to do today. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to make a decision for Jesus Christ. There's only two kinds of people in the world, people who know Jesus and people who need Jesus. 
If you need him, you need to know him. And if you know him, you need to grow in him. So right now, I want to talk to those of you who need him, who have never asked Jesus Christ into your life as your personal savior, or maybe you are unsure of your spiritual standing with God. For those of you who know the Lord, please don't tune us out. I need you to pray right now. I need you to pray because the truth of the matter is when we start talking about salvation, we are entering into spiritual warfare. And I need you to pray that God would move by his spirit so somebody who needs the Lord would come to know him. You may not ever know their name until you get to glory, but I want you to pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. And for those of you who need the Lord, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. See, asking the Lord Jesus Christ into your life is as simple as ABC. A, admitting that you are a sinner and you need Jesus Christ in your life. B, believing that God sent his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And C, confessing with your mouth. When you add the confession of your mouth with the belief in your heart, the Bible says, Romans chapter 10, that you shall be saved. And I want you to pray this prayer of salvation with me. I'm going to pray it. I want you to pray it after me. Repeat after me these prayers. And I believe if you pray this prayer in your heart, there's any number of ways that you come to Jesus, but I want to lead you in this prayer so that you can make that decision real today. Come on, join me as we pray and repeat after me. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I want to turn away from my sinful life and live the life you have planned for me. Please forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me of my past and make me new. I know your son, Jesus Christ, died for me. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. At this very moment, I accept, confess, and proclaim Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior to live in my heart from this day forward. Thank you, Lord, for your saving grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I believe if you prayed that prayer that you were saved. I didn't say you were perfect. I said you're saved. You've been forgiven of your sins, and now it's time to start your walk with God. If you just accepted Christ, I want you to go to our website. I want you to go to uh, our app, and I want you to click on the link, I accepted Christ, now what? And if you want to become a member of our church online, you want to become part of our church virtually, I want you to click on the link, I want to join the church. I want to join the church. We will love to have you be part of this church virtually, online, wherever you are in the world. We want to help facilitate your discipleship on the virtual platform. So if you never come to Houston, if you can never get to our church,
physically it's okay. We want to encourage you in your walk with God virtually. Click on that link, I want to join the church, and we'll give you the information that you need. Now, if you'd like to worship the Lord in giving, we would love to have your faithfulness in helping us to do the ministry that God has called us to do. There are seven ways that you can give here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, and we would love to help you in that process of giving your worship to the Lord through the stewardship of your gifts. There are many tremendous things that go on here at our church ministry, including our food pantry, um, our health and wellness events, where we raise issues to encourage people to take good care of themselves so that they can become better stewards of their physical body so that they can be used in a greater way in the kingdom work. All of this and so much more happens. Our children's ministry virtually, those of you who are anywhere in the country, you can participate in our children's ministry. Our youth ministry is virtual as well. All of these things take place because of your faithfulness and because of your giving. We bless God and thank God for you. Last but not least, if you'd like to become part of a life group, a small group here, this is basically just a small family unit that kind of gets together and they pray for one another and encourage one another. We have life groups that are associated with the Joy Campaign. You can just click on the Joy Campaign logo on the app, on our website, sign up for a small group. And if you don't see one in your area or you don't see a time that you'd like to be involved in a small group, a life group, listen, you can start one. We would love to help facilitate not just your growth, but the growth of your family members as well. Listen, don't forget, God is doing something wonderful in me. God is doing something wonderful in you. Don't miss what God is doing. Get excited about what God is doing because he's going to make you, mold you, and shape you into what he wants you to be. All right? Come on. God bless you. God be with you. See you next week. The Lord says the same. And the creek is going to rise. All right? Come on. Put your hands together. God is doing something wonderful in me. Come on. God is doing something wonderful in me. Now I want you to encourage the person that may be with you or encourage yourself in the Lord today. Come on, say, God is doing something wonderful in me. God is doing something wonderful in me. God is doing something God wonderful. God is doing something wonderful in me. Something awesome. Something awesome and incredible. That only he will get the glory. God is doing something wonderful. Incredible and awesome. God is doing something wonderful So wonderful So wonderful So marvelous So marvelous Incredible Incredible God is doing on the inside God is doing on the inside And it's showing up on the outside Something wonderful, incredible and 
Sapatos 